Do you know what it takes to move good to great? Are you almost where you need to be but not quite there yet? Find your way to success today. Welcome to the James Stentley Show with Dr. James Stentley. We've got the tips and guidance you need to propel your success to the next level. Now, here's your host, Dr. James Stentley. Well, hello, it's Friday, so I'm here, and welcome to the James Dentley Show. And remember, we don't think outside the box because in our world, <laughs> in our world, there is no box. You know, there's so many things that are happening this week. It's been a very interesting week, and uh, I still have a big smile on my face. I, I really want us to, to pray for and keep in our thoughts and in our hearts all the people now that are being affected by the, uh, the COVID-19. Uh, we just lost someone who was my age, born in, in my year. Uh, that was a newsman with uh, MSNBC or NBC. And our hearts and prayers go out to his family and people all over the world who are hurting and suffering. And there's so many people right now that have lost their jobs. Uh, so many people own businesses. There's so much uncertainty. Um, you know, people don't really know what to do. The market is really crashing all around us. But remember that uh, Phoenix always rises from the ashes, that whenever there's adversity, there's also a seed that is bared that, uh, that when well-nourished, can give you an equal and greater advantage, that there's always opportunity in calamity. And I'm so excited today because we have a very special guest. Uh, he's a dear friend of mine, a gentleman I have a tremendous amount of respect for. And it's not just because of his business accolades. I mean, he's had a, a lot of them, but uh, this gentleman has a heart of gold. He is a, a business strategist. He is a, a business expert. This gentleman is an investor. He's a consummate entrepreneur. I don't know what serial entrepreneur is. I just know he is the entrepreneur is entrepreneur. He specializes in hypergrowth. They call him a hypergrowth agent, whether it be a startup or an existing business, how to scale your business. This gentleman was one of the founders of a, uh, a Constant Contact. Uh, this company was a major, major play. I have a lot of questions for him, but I just want to welcome this dear man uh, to the show. He's with, He's gotten so many awards. Alec, welcome to the show. Uh, James, thank you so much. I uh, appreciate the kind words. Now, look, man, you've been in business now. It's been over 25 years now, right? Uh, business in general, yes, more than 25. <laughs> more than 25. Well, we're not going to say ages on the show. There's two things we don't talk about, personal wealth and ages on the show. <laughs> All right, good. Uh, but I'll tell you, man, uh, I love you. I love what you stand for, who you are. Can you tell, talk to our audience a little bit about, uh, because we want to talk about building businesses and building community. And I know when we met, we were part of uh, – uh, organization or part of a platform that really was about nonprofits and how we can come together, support one another in the business world, as well as be able to give back and help other people uh, give back as well. So tell us a little bit about your story. How did you get started? Uh, what were your beginnings like? How was it for you growing up? Sure. Yeah. So uh, my mom was an entrepreneur. Uh, my dad was, uh, he was uh, in R and D and an engineer uh, okay. in the, um, uh, and had a great, great successful career. But I, I sort of followed my mom often where I'd get woken early on a Saturday morning to go out and give back to do something for in the community. So, so I got the bug early uh, and learned from, certainly from her. And, and in that experience, uh, as I moved into business, uh, I made sure that that stayed uh, um, a major part of my life, either giving back directly myself or, or joining on and helping uh, nonprofits you know, raise their voice, raise awareness and raise funds. Mm -hmm. Or in a couple of cases, starting my own nonprofits, uh, and then as I moved into um, you know companies like Constant Contact, you know we had a give back program from the get go to help nonprofits and, and assist them 
in their uh, uh, kind of uh, digital marketing, if you will. Well, I want to talk about Constant Contact and I want to talk about the Give Back program, but what was your first business? Tell us that, about that experience. How did you come up with it? What happened? What's that story? Yeah, so so uh, there's there's the younger days. You know, I, it was one of those things in my family. If you wanted something, you had to go make the money and buy it yourself. So I became an entrepreneur in my own right in the neighborhood. Uh, and I had a bunch of the other neighborhood kids working for me, doing a bunch of things like uh, cutting lawns and uh, detailing cars and, and shoveling snow. So those are the early days. But as I got into business, I, I started in big business. So I did, uh, didn't really know much about, um, you know, smaller companies, but I studied some big companies when I was in different classes in college and so forth. And I joined a large company and uh, had, had a nine-year career with, the, with that company and had success. And one of the real senior guys in the, in the business was leaving to go to a startup. And he said, I want to take you with me. Uh, it didn't happen immediately, but I have ultimately went over. And five years after joining and being uh, kind of one of those original employees, you know, 25, I think I was, um, you know, we went public. And so I had this piece of paper and I'm like, this is worth what? <laughs> so I, <laughs> so I, I, I learned that, that, that the experience of an IPO and, uh, and having options, uh, which ultimately became shares. And so, so after catching that bug, um, I took a little time off uh, and enjoyed that and then started back up and, and had a couple of companies that I joined that we sold, uh, that sold early. I was on the founding team and they wanted either the technology or they wanted our engineers in the technology. So kind of, I wasn't needed because I was on the go-to-market and business side and they had that infrastructure. Uh, and then uh, from there I met, um, I knew someone who was an entrepreneur as well and he wanted me to meet somebody. Uh, so I met the co, uh, sort of co-founder, original idea guy of Constant Contact, uh, working on some other things and sort of dabbling in this idea. Uh, we we had a good meeting of the minds and a third person as well, um, uh, a woman that was our software architect. Uh, so Randy and Margaret and myself, uh, you know, kicking things around, uh, you know, started the uh, and incubated what became Constant Contact today. Mm-hmm. You know, Sharon Lecter always talks about in business, you want to solve a problem and fill a need. So when you started Constant Contact, um, what other CRMs, what platforms were already there? And, um, and what did you, what problem did you feel like you solved? Well, you did solve, but I want you to come from your, yeah, sure. your mouth. And, and what need did you feel? Yeah, so, so the first thing, uh, uh, oftentimes when we're creating something, if it's a technology, uh, you know, that ultimately may solve a business problem, but it's on the expense side. If you're on the business side of it uh, and you can dr- help them drive revenue or stay top of mind with their customers or do other things, then oftentimes, you know, in, in downturns in the economy and other things that might hit, you know, you will always stay in the mix because you're helping them grow the business, maintain and grow the business. And so the original premise when we started was the bigger players like Amazon and others had uh, enterprise tools. They had staff that were technical that could help and they had, uh, you know, uh, ad and marketing agencies. Main Street uh, businesses, so the very small businesses as we walk down any Main Street around the world, they didn't have any tools. So we were the first to actually create a tool uh, that was for small business. And the premise was, uh, how do we level the playing field for those small businesses against their big competitors? And that original, the original sort of premise, again, was with, through email marketing. So if we were to give them an easy-to-use, self-service tool, didn't have to know technology, uh, low price could could they could they in fact uh, create something that looked as good as the big guys and they could, and so we set out to do that and 
when, you know, when we first started, uh, I, uh, I'd like to say that we had the bicycle wheel syndrome, which every, every on a wheel, every spoke was another idea how we're going to help our target market. And I need so many startups who have the bicycle wheel syndrome where they're going to do a million things to help their target market. And we had to pick the one spoke, that one core thing that we would succeed at. Uh, and if we do succeed at it, we'll get uh, feedback, we'll get uh, case, you know, case studies, we'll get success stories, we'll get revenue, we can hire, we can grow. And so that was email marketing. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you, you know, it's so interesting. I'm listening to you say this because I fall into that bicycle wheel syndrome as well. You know, trying to solve all the problems and, and thinking that's going to separate you from everyone else. There's two things I'd like you to elaborate on. Number one, when this came together, you had, you know, someone you knew was an entrepreneur, had some ideas. They knew someone else introduced you. So how important are relationships and, and uh, to creating success? And uh, how important is it to identify your core competency or what needs you're going you're gonna to really serve versus being everywhere and trying to be all things? Okay, sure. Uh, so relationships on every level are, are critical uh, for the success of a business, getting going and growing. And I say that because um, when, you know, we think about, I call it the smart factor. You know, you got to hire smart. You got to find smart, uh, smart partners, you know, potentially investors, uh, you know, uh, all, all the things that, that you do in the earlier days are critical decisions. And it's important to surround yourself with people that can help. There, there, there are some, there are many have been there before you. And it doesn't necessarily mean doing exactly what you're doing. So there wasn't anyone that did what we did. We were in that sort of 15% of businesses that were first movers, you know, Uber and Facebook and Constant Contact and others. But we, there were people that had succeeded in, in getting going. And so we surrounded ourselves with some great mentors and advisors. Uh, and then we, we were able to sort of uh, get going and have people to sort of uh, lean on to just get feedback. Um, and that was key. And it stayed that way because the community that you build around your business will widen. It will, it will widen. It will grow. And those, a lot of oftentimes those are the people that will potentially give you intros to the key people you want to meet, possibly to an investor, possibly to a strategic partner and so on. So I, I can't, uh, you know, emphasize enough that, that the community and the relationships are so key, especially in the earlier day, earlier days and starting first and foremost with your target market. Most yeah. people live in a vacuum. They want to be in stealth mode, but you need to get out there and get feedback because when we saw our target customer telling us, you know, they told us what they wanted, the objectives they w- would want to uh, sort of meet, the needs that they had. And if we said if we could solve those, they got wide-eyed. We knew we were onto something, even though we were getting a lot of no's from people saying no one's going to use email as a marketing tool. No one sells to small business successfully without a big sales army, you know, and so on. So, so it's really important to, to get out there and get into the, the community, if you will, starting with your customer, your target customer. Now you, you've been on, that's, that's great stuff for Alec. Uh, you've been out there, man, and you work with other, other companies. And what, what do we do when the entrepreneur, uh, they're out there, they're in stealth mode, but they don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They don't have the relationships. Maybe they're in an introvert and they don't know how to go approach it. And how would they start or what would you say to them that the first thing they need to do to start breaking away from that to make their dreams a reality? Yeah. So, so we all start with ideas. Uh, I always say that, uh, that everyone has ideas. Uh, so any day, any day, any week, any month, we, we, we experience a service or a product and we'll say, God, that could have been done better. 
Mm-hmm. And so, so 85% of the businesses roughly that, are, that start are someone doing something that already exists, but they're executing on it better than the people that did before. So it's around an execution play and, and being able to set, set yourself apart uh, and run away from the pack because something's been done a certain way for many years, but, but now, now today, today it can be done differently. And so, so it's really getting out of the, um, you know, we work, we work within and you want to, we want to get, you want to start working out, right? You want to go beyond working with, uh, with the folks that, that just, just are sort of in your inner circle. Um, you don't want to be, be, you want to rely on the people around you, but your friends, your family, your colleagues, the people you know well, they're going to give you feedback. But if you want brutal, honest feedback and really see if you're onto something, go to outside of your sphere of influence and, and network and ask others, like your target market of people you don't know or, or potentially advisors that you don't, you, you don't necessarily uh, know, know well because they're going to be honest with you to, to, to hear your idea and vet through that and tell you you're onto something. Yeah. Now, what about the entrepreneur that uh, they're going out? They're going out there. They're making a dream reality. And they're fighting, and you know they still have to pay their bills at the same time. And, and so many companies get hurt because they don't have the capital. So, in your experience, what should a person do? Is how much of their attention should be focused on capital raising or making sure they have that part of their business secured? Sure. I, I think uh, we don't always we don't always decide what type of business we want to be. Like, do we want to be a family-run business because we want to pay bills and we want to put our kids through school? Or do we want to truly create something that's going to be this large venture that may go public or get acquired? Uh, and in some cases, you're not making that decision up front. And in other cases, people like, my vision is to, to go big or go home. And so whatever the decision is there first, then, uh, you know, then, then it's, um, you know, you have to make the decision around what, what sacrifices you're going to make in your life. So if you're, you know, it doesn't matter if you're young or old, you know, we all have bills to pay. And are you going to start something, break away from your current job and start something and, and, uh, and not, you know, not earn an income, which uh, when we started Constant Contact at the time, uh, I had three mortgages and a lot of other stuff I needed to pay bills for. And I decided, you know, uh, we were going to start it. We were not going to take salaries and we we're going to go for it. And so that's that lasted for, for, you know, over a year and a half, almost two years. So the bottom line is, will you know, you, you, the decisions you make will be predicated on what you can tolerate within your own personal life. Uh, and so you might start, you might have a full-time job in Moonlight doing this at night and weekends, and eventually you might cut back on that or, or leave and start the business. And the capital raising will determine um, how fast you want to accelerate and grow and, and, and what resources you need. And if you can't fund them from your own growth in the business, which is hard to do initially, then you got to go get capital from either friends and family, angel investors, or venture, or maybe a loan. Uh, and so you have to decide kind of what makes sense, uh, depending on how you want to grow the business. Right, right, right. Well, you know, you and I, we, we lost a dear friend about a week ago, uh, Mr. Ryan Long, who was the founder of City Gala and City Summit. And that's where we met. And I, was, I talked to different people and I said, well, you know, the bottom line is that that's how we met. That's how we came together. And I look at this young man's vision. And, and we talked about in constant contact that you gave a give back component to it. And City Gala, that's what they wanted to represent all the time was giving back. How important is it to give back in your opinion? And uh, why was it so important to you, number one? And what do you think? Why do you think other business owners uh, should adhere to this as they're building a vision, building a dream to give back and make an impact? Well, I think it's important for all of us, regardless of where we are in business. And, it, and there's a lot of ways to do it. A lot of people think giving back is just writing a check. And certainly money helps a lot of solve a lot of problems. 
But there are a lot of people out there, and uh, you know, people ask me like, who do you aspire and look up to? I look up to the small businesses on Main Street, but more importantly, those that are in inner city, you know, that are actually you know working hard to to raise money to just to pay for all the bills in the family or send their kids to school or not necessarily looking to go public and you know big, but they they all can they all can use help, and we all have expertise in an area, uh, and we can go mentor, we can volunteer, we can provide just our own expertise to so many people that are in need of it. Some know it, some don't. But once they realize there's a resource that can help them in a certain area, uh, you can help take a lot of businesses going forward and we can raise the water level of all businesses, not necessarily always writing a check, which is certainly uh, is done and needed. But there's other ways that we can all help. Now, you're a speaker. You've been speaking everywhere. Every time I, I look up and I, I see a post or I get a wire. There you are, man. You've been very celebrated and, and rightfully so. I want to ask you a couple of questions. We got just one minute before we go to our first commercial. And I got three things I want to talk about. One is going to be adversity. I'm sure you face adversity. You've seen it. You've seen it with people that you've mentored. Uh, can you share with us a story of adversity from you or someone that you work with and how they overcame it? Now, we don't only have like 30 seconds, so we're not going to dive into this until after we come okay. back. But I want to talk about adversity. I want to talk about your give back program. And now you have this, some new ventures is going on now. And then we're going to talk about your nonprofit. And then we're going to bring in a dear friend of ours who uh, was the founder of Make-A-Wish Foundation. And uh, yeah. just kind of, we all can chat together a little bit. I'll ask them a few questions. You can welcome, jump in and ask them a few questions. All right. Sounds and, uh, let's have some fun with it. So we're going to take a short break and we're going to come back with uh, Alex Stern. And we're going to talk about what's next. What's the next big thing? You know, I learned a long time ago, you stay close enough to the vehicles of the movers and shakers and boy, you can get rich in the exhaust and not just in financially, but in character and spirit and have a tremendous amount of fun while you're helping people. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com As we age, there are certain situations which we all must face. Care and treatment don't always measure up to what it's supposed to be. And there are many questions that need to be answered. Tune in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with hosts Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. Seniors deserve to have a more fulfilling life and we'll bring you the answers that you need to hear to make it happen. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and entertained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with us at be the star you are radio.com and the voice america empowerment channel find out what makes the most successful people tick keep listening to the voice america empowerment channel voice america empowerment.com you're tuned in to the james stentley show 
We'd love to hear from you via email with questions and comments. Drop us a line to JD at the James Dentley Show.com. Again, that's JD at the James Dentley Show.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back. We're here with Alex Stern, and we were, we we're talking, and we're about to go into our next segment. But, Alex, I want you to we started a thought, and I'd like you to go ahead and expound on, on that thought. Sure. So, yeah, so we were talking about kind of that one core thing. So uh, the, uh, the analogy was the bicycle wheel and every spoke is an idea. Uh, and then thinking, what's that one spoke? Uh, so if you think about lanes of a highway, if you're on a lane in a highway, uh, what, what is that one core thing you're going to do staying in that lane or the, the bullseye on a dartboard? What's the one thing? And if you do that one thing well, you know, you'll get, you'll get uh, feedback, you'll get you know, success stories, case studies, and so on. But you'll also start to uh, get some sales, uh, you'll get some uh, revenue, and you can kind of start the flywheel of the business going. And I think one of the challenges is that a lot of businesses are not really good at figuring out the one core thing. I'll ask a, I'll ask a room at every conference, show of hands, how many know your one core thing? And about 5% of the hands go up. Hmm. Um, so the, the one thing I would just say, in, in sort of closing on that comment, on the, on the, on the area or that we're talking about, is that you need to figure out your one core thing you got to figure out as early as you can. Uh, you test it, and it may, you may alter it, or it may shift lanes on that highway a little bit. You may pivot and get off the highway and go on another highway, but you got to get out there and get that feedback and figure out that one thing. Because if you know the objectives of your target market, and you know ways that they need help, or you can potentially help them with your offering, then you have alignment, and you can start to get out there and, 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 and meet, meet the demand or the need. And in some cases, it may be a new need that they just weren't aware of. That's cool, mm-hmm. but but getting out, getting the core thing nailed down to the exact target market to go bringing it out to them, and getting feedback will help you get that flywheel going. Awesome, man! Now, now you're also a drummer, so tell us about music, man. How does okay. music fit into this thing? Is that part of uh, the things that helps you spark your creativity, or does it calm you down? How does that tie in for you? Uh, there's nothing like beating a drum set when you're when you've hit your level of frustration. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, I so I started when I was eight. Uh, I think I first did garbage can lids, right, right. Uh, hanging on the garbage cans. Mm-hmm. Uh, back then, I'll date myself. They were metal, so they had a good sound. Uh, <laughs> once those were dented in, I moved in house to the uh, to pots and pans, and uh, all this to my father's, uh, you know, just the dismay. Like he he hated he hated the fact that I was taking up drums. But my parents went to a flea market and they bought a, a, a used, you know, uh, antique Ludwig drum set. So I had a great drum set when I started, and uh, so from eight years old I was banging and banging away. Eventually, I, I taught myself how to play play by ear, and I ultimately took lessons. And it's been a major part of my life. And I'm fortunate to have friends that are musicians today that I get ju- I get to jump up on stage and a couple bucket list scenarios uh, where I was able to achieve those you know, by playing them. I really, really enjoy it, and it's a, it's a, it's one of my outlets for re- relaxation, enjoyment, and and certainly will uh, you know kind of head clearing, if you will. Yeah, yeah, awesome, man. Yeah, I, I remember the drums as well. I never got to a set. I kind of lost interest after the pots and the pans. <laughs> I, I moved on. My eardrums were shot. But Frank's going to be joining us in just a minute, and we're going to transition into giving back, making a difference in that life legacy as well. But what's next for Alex Stern? You're doing something like most cardio. What is that? What are you doing? Yeah, so, so uh, you know, uh, early on you mentioned I was a serial entrepreneur. I like to say I'm a serial entrepreneur, repeat entrepreneur, but a serial, mm-hmm. serial entrepreneur who likes cereal. Uh, so 
but I've got eight, eight companies I've been, been involved with on the founding team or a co-founder. Uh, and now we have an innovation think tank, which we're looking at new ideas uh, in a variety of areas. And so uh, uh, they're manufactured products through metals. So we, we actually have a, a cane. We have a, a walking cane consumer product. We have a B2B product. And we also have a, a medical device, which is most cardio. And most cardio is disrupting a really large market where we're looking at how to uh, how to um, uh, basically go in and break up the pl plaque in the vessels and extract the plaque uh, so to avoid the, the need for things like stents. So it's pr pretty big disruptive uh, product that we're working on. Outstanding, outstanding. Now you have uh, any type of opt-in or uh, a newsletter or anything where people can get more information about what you're doing? Or Sure. So, uh, so website is uh, www.alecspeaks.com. Uh, and then I'm all, all the social channels uh, with just my name, A-L-E-C-S-T-E-R-N. So. And you're a phenomenal speaker. So if anybody would want someone to come up and wow your audience and really talk about business growth and really talk about, you know, how you, how you grew up and how you, you navigate the waters to, to start, grow, and scale your company, I highly recommend Alec. As a speaker. Now, I'm hoping, is Frank online? Frank, are you with us yet? Frank is online. All yes. right. All right. There he is. Hey, well, Jay, hi, Alex. Hey, how are you? Good. Good. Well, we're very good. Well, I got to make this introduction, and we're going to transition in this. And Alec is going to interview you as well. We're going to kind of chat a little bit and just have a real uh -oh. good time. Um, <laughs> and um, let me just say this for our audience. You know, Frank Shankowitz is not just uh, the founder of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. He's a dear friend, and he's a, he's just a great man. So humble in his spirit, and so strong. You know, I, as I watched the movie and, and saw how you grew from a sheriff and how you created this, but since then, I mean, you've been seen everywhere from Inside Edition. You've been on CBS. You've been on a Doctor Show. You've been on Fox. You've been in the White House a couple of times. They've given you an award after award after award, uh, making a difference award, and the call to service. And I know how passionate passionate you are, and and that space as well. Uh, you're honorary, and I didn't know this. This is this is cool. You're honorary commander of the U.S. Air Force. Now we're gonna talk about that in a minute. We gotta have only dig deep on that. But then, for all of you all who who don't know who this man is, this this dear humble man who's just impacted the world, uh, with Make a Wish, uh, they took his life story, and he had to step down as the uh, as the founder of it to do that. Uh, because Make-A-Wish is strictly nonprofit, but he stepped down and they wanted to make a movie about your life, Frank. And uh, our dear friend Greg Reed invited Karen and I to go to the premiere, and uh, we came down. And nobody, matter of fact, there was no other tickets left. People were they're, they're trying to buy our tickets back. So we went there, and I didn't know what to expect. So I said, okay, well, we're going to have a seat. We'll just enjoy the movie. And I will tell you honestly, and I'm not saying this because I'm on the show. I'm not just saying it to blow smoke. Man, that movie was so impactful to me, and there were so many layers of it. I was so highly impressed, and I want to thank you for allowing, just allowing uh, some great people to come together and, and, and share your story and then bring it out. And I look forward to everybody in Chicago uh, when you come here very soon to look at that movie. So welcome to the show, Frank. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, everybody's pretty much heard of Make-A-Wish, but um, before we go to the movie and we, we all get the book... <laughs> <laughs> and the DVD. I want you, if you don't mind sharing a little bit about your story, man, it's, it's pretty incredible. Well, yeah, and I'll kind of give you the condensed version of how the Make-A-Wish, the idea came about. 
and it is back in. Well, I got to go back about the mid 70s first. There was a very popular TV show called Chips that uh, was on NBC. It was the adventures of two California Highway Patrol motorcycle officer, Punch and John. Very popular with the younger set and ran for several years. And I was a motorcycle officer with the Arizona Highway Patrol. In fact, we trained with CHP initially. Our equipment was identical. Our uniforms are almost identical, except ours obviously says Arizona. And we traveled the whole state. I was on a 10-man motorcycle pack squad. We worked the whole state of Arizona, usually two-man teams, uh, two weeks in one town, two weeks in another town. It was so nice about this because the chips, all of a sudden the kids weren't afraid of cops. We'd ride into town, they'd be yelling, hey, Ponch, hey, John, hey, Chips, just identifying with that show. And we went to the grade schools and started talking to the kids about bicycle safety, which they could care less about. They wanted to get on a motorcycle. <laughs> and that was fine. That was great PR. The kids had fun. We had fun. But in 1980, the Arizona Highway Patrol was notified from a uh, U.S. Customs agent that worked with one of our detectives, advising of a seven-year-old boy named Chris. And Chris's heroes were Ponch and John from the TV show Chips. And he wanted to be, he told his mom, when I grow up, I'm going to be a highway patrol motorcycle officer, just like Ponch and John. And he said, I wish I could meet a motorcycle officer. Well, the customs agent Austin contacted the highway patrol, said, is there anything you can do? The highway patrol got all involved and set up a special day for Chris. And with the permission of his mother and his doctors, uh, he was allowed to fly our state police helicopter to his hospital and fly him to our headquarters building in Phoenix, where they asked me to be standing by with my motorcycle. I was the guy he was going to meet. Now, I'd never met this little boy. I had no idea what to expect. But when a helicopter starts coming to the landing zone, all I can see is his face pressed against the glass with this big grin, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I expected our paramedics to help him out. Door open, little red pair of sneakers jumped out, ran to that motorcycle. Hi, I'm Chris. Can I get on your motorcycle? Well, yes, you can, Chris. And this little boy is laughing and giggling. Now, he just came off IVs. He's in a hospital bed. Mm -hmm. And he's just having so much fun. And he wants ships so much that this is a red light. Can I turn it on? These are the, what's in your saddlebag? The same as Punch. He's laughing and giggling. I'm looking at his mother, and she's crying. And at first, I didn't understand why. Then it dawns on me, she has her seven-year-old boy back. He's a typical seven-year-old having fun. And Chris went on that day to become the first and only honorary Highway Patrol motorcycle officer in the history of the Highway Patrol. Wow. Uh, we, had, we had a custom-made uniform made for him. He was given his own badge, which is assigned to him today, the certificates wherein him as a patrolman. And most important to him, his motorcycle wings, because he became official motorcycle officer. And unfortunately, Chris passed away a couple of days later. Wow. Commanders came to me and said, we've lost a fellow officer. We would like you and your partner to go back to Illinois, a little town called Kiwani, Illinois, to give our trooper a full police funeral, which we did. Now, this is before the days of Internet, but the media was picking this up. The print press, the TV stations, we were met in Chicago by all the major TV networks. We were met in this little town of Kiwani by the satellite networks. Um, we were met, the big surprise, by Illinois State Police, City Police, County Police for this long police funeral procession to bury this little boy. And he was buried in uniform. His grave marker reads, Chris Gracious, Arizona Trooper. But coming home, I just started thinking, here's a little boy who had a wish 
why can't we do that for other children? And that's when the idea to start the foundation was born, maybe 36,000 feet over Kansas or somewhere. <laughs> wow. And, you know, uh, so much of that is actually in the movie. For those of you who are listening and listening to the story of this little kid, seven years old, that this part, this is in the movie. And look, it's just heart-wrenching. And even to see Frank as he grows up, and I'm not going to go further with you on this, Frank, because I want them to get the movie, watch that movie, or come to our event and meet you here in Chicago when we, we do our event. And I want them to see the movie there. And I, I want them to be involved. Now, I've got Alec here. And, and all of course, we all met um, part of being part of the, the city gala. And we were all getting receiving awards uh, for this, you know, through that organization. And, and I know, Frank, you and I were at uh, the Easy Way Awards. And, um, you know, that's commonplace. But I want to ask both of you gentlemen a question. And I'd like to have, get Alec involved and, and ask you one. Why, in a heart to heart, you know, at what point? That was what was. I guess that was the, the the precipice of when you made a decision that you would give your life to making a difference in the lives of other people. Did that happen then, or and how does that feel? How does it? You know, what do you? What happens there? What? Do we, how do we get there? Go first, Alex. <laughs> well, first I would say uh, it's uh, it's an honor to be on here with both of you guys, and we share a lot of stages together. But this is fun to be able to actually uh, spend some time. Um, you know, starting starting a nonprofit and uh, you know helping people raise their voice, raise awareness, raise funds. You know, um, all the sort of the things that would go with the uh, the goals of that nonprofit is not easy, and uh, and certainly as you uh, from from an experience, you turn that into an incredible organization that today I, I assume does you know hundreds of thousands of of these wishes a year, and I, I would just ask like uh, you know from your ex your experience in the earliest days. Uh, when you said, okay, I want to do this, how did you actually put together either that initial sort of core group and, 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 and get the flywheel going of starting that nonprofit? Well, yeah, and, and what uh, said, Mr. Bentley said that uh, years of service. Um, I was taught as a young child, very poor. Uh, people were helping me out, my mother, poor people were helping us. But my mentor, my friend at that time, and this is a 10, 11 years old, Franklin, you can give back. What do you mean give back? Well, we don't have a thing. And we stress that in the movie. You don't have to have money to give back. You can give back your time. He gave an example of uh, Mrs. Sanchez, the widow Sanchez. She's always bringing you and your mom tortillas, beans and tortillas to help you out. But look at her yard. It's a mess. Look at her porch. It needs painted. You're old enough. You can go weed that yard. You can go sand and paint that porch. You don't have the money to give back. And that's where I think the years of service because of my mentor. And then going into the Air Force, uh, years of service there. Uh, I tried the civilian sector. I worked for seven years at Motorola. Uh, and best job I ever had, the most money I ever made in my life. But I'm a kind of adrenaline junkie. And I decided I wanted to apply for the Arizona Highway Patrol, which I did. And that resulted in 42 years of service as a, a state police officer. Just that giving back. But getting back to what you said, how do you start this foundation? Um, and, and this is, again, before the days of internet, but the people that had initially helped put this wish together for Chris, and he was the inspiration. He was not the first wish child. Uh, I went to them. I said, I have this idea. It'll never work. Nobody's ever heard a thing like this. And again, as a young boy, I was taught whenever somebody says, you can't do something, find a way to do it. Change that negative to the positive, just so it's legal. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Well, but just researching, and our friend, mutual friend Greg Reed, he has a word that I love to use now called stickability. Don't give up on your ideas. And that was the same thing. When people said, you can't do this, I'm going to find a way to do it. And I finally found in Arizona, we had to have five people total to start this nonprofit, a 501c3. And I finally found those like-minded people to help me do this. And once we got this, once we did our first official wish was a little boy going to Disneyland. That's when the press really picked it up. Now we're nationwide, the fastest growing nonprofit at the time, because again, nobody had heard of anything like this. And now, as you mentioned, we're worldwide. We have the wishes you mentioned. We have gone over, I say this fortunately, unfortunately, a half a million wishes have been granted worldwide. I say that fortunately because we were there unfortunately, because that's a half a million children with life-threatening illnesses that needed that wish. But we're in 45 countries, uh, 45 chapters in 15 countries, and uh, 63 chapters in the United States. I mean, we're just global, all because of one little boy who wanted to be a motorcycle officer. That's amazing. Wow, that, that is truly amazing. We're going to take one more break in about 30 seconds. And we're going to talk a little bit more about, uh, I want to find out where you, both of you gentlemen are right now. And if, if I was, if there was going to be a campaign I want to follow, if I want to immerse my life into something and something I could believe in and the people that I would, could believe in and people I would follow and serve and, and work beside, it would be both of you gentlemen. That's why I wanted both of you on, on here. Because first of all, I want to tell you that, but that's just the God's honest truth. And um, I want us to spur a discussion impromptu about, you know, in, in just in our imagination, where can we go? What's next? What is it that you really want to do? And let's talk about how we can get people to galvanize, get around it, and just help make the world better. You know, it's so interesting that even right now with all this coronavirus going on, in Illinois, crime has gone down. People are back in their homes talking to their families again. I mean, it's just amazing that in the midst of this calamity, what is happening. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back with Alex Stern and Frank Sankowitz, founder of Make-A-Wish Foundation. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Red's. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're tuned in to The James Stentley Show. 
We'd love to hear from you via email with questions and comments. Drop us a line to JD at the James Dentley Show.com. Again, that's JD at the James Dentley Show.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm here with Frank Shankwitz and Alex Stern, and I'm listening to the intro music coming back, and I'm like, wait a minute, do they have a the last LP there with a needle on it and somebody's leaning on it? That music <laughs> started dragging. <laughs> it kind of took me back, okay, what is happening here? Well, gentlemen, I, I was I was posing a question, um, and I made this statement that uh, if there was something that's going to be done, you are two individuals that I would trust that it would be done the right way with integrity, with honor, and it would be big. So uh, what can we do? What are you guys doing right now in, in the nonprofit world? How can people get involved? And uh, what difference can we make together? Well, and, and, and as you know, the nonprofit world right now, because like you say, the coronavirus is going to take a great big hit uh, with donations, with even people involved helping out. I sat on several boards throughout the United States, and that's one of the things I'm so uh, honored that I can do that I can help out these other nonprofits. An example one is um, Project Kind, based out of New Jersey, and the the uh, president and CEO Jennifer DePaul there. Uh, what Project Kind is, they go find the the homeless people around that area mm-hmm. and get them clothing, food, everything else. Try and get them sheltered. And especially what's going on right now. I just talked to her this morning. She said, "My gosh, I can't get anything." especially food. Well, everybody is, I don't want to say hoarding, but taking care of themselves first. Mm-hmm. And and even if you want to go to the grocery stores, my little rural town here, there's nothing on the shelf. So yeah. that's just a hard thing. And then like I say, the other don- nonprofits I set with, it's the monetary donations plus the interaction. They can't do the interaction right now. Make-A-Wish, for example, I'm not associated with Make-A-Wish right now, but they just issued a worldwide thing. No more granting wishes right now. No more travel. No more interaction with the children, the wish children. No interview with them. Just completely shut down for anything they're doing with the program. Because obviously these children are very high at risk. Hmm. Wow. Alec, any thoughts? Yeah, so, so uh, you know, we all have the situations that we're familiar with in our own area, and we're certainly seeing what's going on around the world uh, on TV. But I, I really wish that there was, uh, we could, if we were to start something, you were asking, I, I always think about new ideas, but there's, mm-hmm. if we could somehow just come up with, uh, you know, a, a site that would actually be listing, you know, what, what's needed. Um, there's, there's a great site called uh, donorschoose.org where, you know, uh, 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 classrooms put projects up and people bid on those projects like, my kids need uh, GMAT study guides, and people bid, uh, you know, put money into it, and eventually they raise the funds and buy the guides. But I wish there was something comp- complementary to that, to what would exist today, where everyone could just be putting up their needs, and then some is some is going to be money, some is going to be supplies, some is going to be time. A lot of things can be done. You know, we're all sitting around uh, uh, in lockdown, at least here in Boston. You know, we, we could carve out some time and be helping ones if we knew what people need. And so I'm reaching out to the charities that I'm close to and asking, uh, and they're formalizing kind of what that need is. But I think there's a little bit of the shell shock right now on some where they just don't know exactly because there's, there's so much turmoil with what's going on. But, but it'd be great if somehow we could, you know, throw together something and, and have a site where people could put, their, put, put the needs up and then everybody be able to, to go there and, and offer help in one way or another. 
I like that. Post a knee. I, I like that. I like that. I think that we have some foundation to play with some things. You, you guys don't know me that well because it, you, you got to understand I'll get off of this this thing and then uh, we'll get off this show and I'll be right there trying to find websites. Yeah. <laughs> Let's work on it. Let's do it. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. Right. I love it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm following exactly what Alex is saying by uh, the nonprofits that I'm associated with on my social media, uh, mm-hmm. you know, between the mass following and everything else to put the list of the charities I'm involved with that if people want to help those out because a lot of it is for veterans, for the homeless, for the children, and yeah. they can choose. I mean, there's oh, there's 1.2 million nonprofits in the United States right now. Just think about that. Everybody asking for money. Yeah. So I always just say, listen, here's something I'm involved with. Check it out. CharityNavigator.org is the watchdog for nonprofits. You'll find out where the money is actually going. Is it going to all staff fancy cars trips or is it actually going to the mission? Yeah. <clears throat> so everything I put, I always suggest, listen, folks, check it out. CharityNavigator.org. If you like that, help them out. But also, if another one that you think you like, check it out first. Make sure the money is going to the mission and not somebody's fancy car. Yeah. You know, I met a gentleman uh, in, in Houston. He has a, he's the world's largest um, denim manufacturer in the, this hemisphere. And he was starting a nonprofit called Donate Your Junk for wealthy people. And he, he was starting this because in his community, I mean, he's got this 39,000 square foot home. All the homes are equally as big in that community. And he said, he said, they had, he said these people have 16 nonprofit galas. Then he said, this week alone. <laughs> he said, how many dresses can you buy? How many tuxedos can you wear to go to these different? And when we have these galas, I spend, we spend so much money on the gala, we might as well take that same revenue and just put it in the, the hands of people who really need it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, so donate your junk is something he's coming up with because he's just sick and tired of, of us just spending time being fancy and taking these great photos and, and people are still hurting and we can make a dent there. We can make a dent there. So I'm going to shift gears, Frank. Now, uh, look, first of all, it was my the biggest treat in my life, man. I, I used to live in Dallas, Houston, Midland, Odessa, and Abilene. And I used to wear the Stetson hats and, you know, boots. And they used to call me JR. I had the big buckle. And when I, you know, when I was able to put your hat on my head, man, trust me, I just want you to know that was a big thrill. That was a big kick for me. <laughs> well, we, 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 had, we have a picture of that. We should have posted that, right? Uh, yes, yes, we do have a picture yeah. of it. Yeah, I've, got, one, I've, I've got one, too. There yeah. you go. Isn't that, isn't that so cool, Alec? <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't, totally. There's power in that hat there, my friend. So uh, do you like riding horses? Do you, are you like cattle? What do you do? Well, we did all that. Now, I'm, I'm 77 years old now and a lot of broken parts and everything. And uh, But uh, with speaking circuits so much, we sold off everything as far as livestock. Uh, somebody to take care of that. It's just too much, too mm-hmm. expensive. And even motorcycle riding, I'm so uh, covered with skin cancer. Last time I rode a motorcycle was during the movie. Wow. And again, broken parts, things not working. But like I told my wife and said, I got to do it. We got to do it. So that's the biggest mm-hmm. thing. We got to do all that. Yeah, that's beautiful. What about you, Alec? You ever rode motorcycles or horses, anything like that? Uh, so I, I actually worked at a stable when I was a kid and did the trail rides. And so horses for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was banned from motorcycles when I uh, raised money in a summer job, bought a moped, and went over the handlebars uh, the second day. Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I, was, I was banned from riding motorcycles. Oh, <laughs> I've never been on a motorcycle in my life. 
Never well, been and, on and, and if you watch Wishman on Netflix right now, <laughs> right, 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 there you go. You'll see, you'll see the adventures of riding on motorcycles. Right, <laughs> a motorcycle officer. I love it. Now, Frank, now, Frank, I know you have a book. I like this. Your book out? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. So, Frank, tell us how your book is out, right? Yeah, it's called uh, Wishman. Same okay. title as a movie. It's yep. available on, on uh, Amazon or through yep. my website, wishman1.com. Or you can private message me Facebook for autographed copies. And this is the book. This is the book that inspired the Wishman movie. Oh, perfect, perfect. Well, you know, we have you plan to be here on June 26th. We're trying to give it a few weeks to see if, if they're going to let us uh, associate with one another again and see just where this thing is going. Uh, we'll move the date back. But in October, uh, we'd like to – I want to formally invite you, uh, Alec, to be here in Chicago, October – I think it's the weekend of the 22nd. And uh, we have Sir John Shin will be here. Uh, as you guys know – do you guys know John, right? Oh, yeah, Sure. He's been knighted now. <laughs> I have to call him Sir John Shin. He and Arlene, Arlene's a Dane now. So we have John Shin here. Uh, Les Brown may be here. We're looking at his schedule now as well and some other athletes as well. And and we re oh, Mark Victor Hansen called me. He wants to be here. And I really want to talk to him about, okay, how do you sell 500 million books? <laughs> yeah, and he's got his new book too. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm actually he's got, I got to tell. I told him I buy a case of it. Well, he wants to be about hundred books. So I'm going to buy hundred books and, and get them out to all of my friends. So yeah. he'll be there, chicken soup for the soul. So I guess if if you were to leave some uh, some parting thoughts and advice, you know, and even in the Bible, um, Solomon is getting instruction from David about uh, how to live life. Give give honor honor is due. Uh, they call Solomon the wise king. If you were to give advice to people about Living life, whether it be building a business or nonprofit, just in life. I'll start with you, Frank. What advice would you just want to leave for people? Oh, yeah, I thought that was the Alex. Okay, I'm no, sorry. No, that's you. That's you. Yeah. Um, advice. Um, the biggest thing. If, you, if you're going to talk to yourself, you want to talk back. To, if you talk, if you if you can talk to your younger self. You know, yeah, and, what, and what the, thing, the thing I was taught at a very young person, I try and instill it to young people, young adults. Uh, new adults is a new word I like to say young adults, is respect. Yeah. Because if you, first of all, if you respect yourself, then you're going to respect others. Others are going to respect you, and you're just spreading them the good word. But if you don't respect yourself, if you don't, then you're not going to respect other people. Yeah. So just respect. Respect. Yeah. I asked that question because I've learned that you live life forward, but you really understand it backwards. And when I look at the breadcrumbs in my life, you know, the, the history, and I track back the experiences that got us where we are today, there's very, there's clear indicators. There's almost a recipe. You know, my wife told me the other day that um, everyone, uh, everyone must take responsibility for their life, but the successful people are willing to admit it and <laughs> just take it. <laughs> She's a wise soul too. Alec, tell us about if you would go back and look at the breadcrumbs and what advice would you would you give people from what you've seen, how you live, what you've experienced? Sure. So uh, a lot of thoughts come to mind, but the, the one that jumped up first was uh, managing ob obstacles. You know, throughout life, uh, whether it be business or personal, we always have obstacles in our way. And I think there's there's a there's a 
there's, there's sort of a skill required to, to, to tackling those obstacles. And I often tell, tell people, uh, you know, uh, first I ask them a question, do you go every day, write, write on a piece of paper, what that obstacle was, put a little box to the left of it and hope you check it that day and you don't. And the next day you write it again and so on. Um, you're not the first to have that, have whatever obstacle in front of you. Find others, talk to others, see how they either failed at solving it or, or did solve it. Figure out how to break it down and, and uh, figure out in smaller pieces that you could tackle. Because because you have to have the muscle memory created to solve obstacles. And because behind that obstacle is a bigger one. And whether it's a business in life, there's a bigger one. And, you, and if you can get the muscle memory and figure out how to knock those down, then you're going to be free to have a clear head and be able to have the motivation and, and energy to, to plow forward. Outstanding, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, Frank, I got to give you a tough one, man. This is a tough one that I usually don't even ask this question, but I just want to ask it of you because I've never asked it. What? Tell me a funny story. A funny story? <laughs> Give me something that you experience is just, just crack your side. <laughs> a funny story. <laughs> uh, boy, you, you caught me on that one. <laughs> uh, we got three minutes left. Alan, give me something funny. <laughs> Frank, come on. You have one, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, I, so I just, I say humor comes into my life uh, every day in every way. I try to find the, f- the fun factor and, and be able to laugh from, but uh, I'm just forever being thrown into situations, uh, whether they're positive or negative to just, uh, you know, the endorphins of laughing uh, help, help. Um, I mean, I can't think of one, one specific one, but, mm-hmm. but I've been through a lot of adversity in the last three or four years of my life with uh, cancer and dying yeah. on the operating table and my dog passing and uh, you know, many others that I had to find a way to, uh, uh, you know, tackle those obstacles, and I, I found humor. Um, I guess the one quick story when I was going in to find out whether I was uh, from biopsies, if I had cancer or not, I walked in the office and the doctor said, Hi, you have cancer. And I was like, What? I said, You're not going to need no lead in, like warm up? He's like, Nope, I just want to get it out on the table. And I said, That's like saying, uh, Hey, uh, what's the weather like today? You have cancer. Hey, did the Red Sox win today? You have cancer. And we just had a laughing moment that, uh, you know, because, and of course, I, that's how I dealt with it initially that, uh, the, as opposed to the shock of it. But uh, again, finding humor to just be able to kind of uh, accept, the, accept that information. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, well, my, go ahead. Go ahead. my funny story is almost like Alex's and again, skin cancer, nothing as severe as what he's going through, but uh, it travels your body, goes where it wants to go. And it went down to one of my toes, of all things. Mm-hmm. And my doctor said, uh, I've got good news and bad news, unlike Alex. And I said, well, what's the bad news? And he says, we're going to have to amputate one of your toes. And I said, well, what's the good news? He says, you have four more left. <laughs> <laughs> they all laughed. <laughs> All right, look, that, that's it. One of the reasons I want to go deep uh, with both of you gentlemen, but our time is up, but I want to have both of you back. I know we have uh, Frank back next week. I mean, shoot, Alec is next week. And Frank, if you're available, I'd like you to come back two weeks from now and just go the entire hour because I do have some, I want to DC dive. I do have some more questions. I do have things that's more to share, more enrichment that both of you gentlemen can bring uh, to our listening audience. And we'll share this thing and get it throughout the world and get your message of hope, inspiration, Overcoming adversity is just really how to wake up every day and put a smile on your face in the midst of all the drama. 
and life is good and we're being good at it. So that's going to end our show. I want to thank Alex Stern, uh, founder of uh, Constant Contact and, and eight other companies as well. And this business icon, philanthropist, just a man who has a heart of gold, but he has a mind that just is golden. And then Frank, you know, I, I can't say enough about you, man. Thank you so much for just being you're so gracious to myself and my wife and and uh, all the things that when we see you, you know, we all, you've always from the very beginning, let's take these photos together. Let's chat. Let's talk. We sat down. I, I enjoyed the movie. I feel like I'm family. I met, I met your lovely wife and uh, uh, I just can see now why uh, you are the wish man. So that's going to end our show. You guys will be back next Friday. Remember, we don't think outside the box because in our world, Hey, there is no box. And if there's no box, there's only possibility. We'll see you next Friday. Thanks, gentlemen. Thank you for listening to The James Dentley Show. Be sure to join James for another inspiring show next Friday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll see you here next week.